You are listening to the Cycling Podcast at the 2022 Tour de France Fan, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 7, today we're in the Markenstein. Today is not only a stage week for you. You know you're going to have this jersey. What does it mean for you? Uh, before I said that the yellow was for me something of the guys, and, and I didn't have a feeling with it. But then I saw Marianne Voss riding with it. Yeah, I have to say it is a it is a nice one. So uh, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful extra present on the beautiful victory. Well, that was the sound of Annemiek van Vleuten doing the winner's interview. I mean, she's done a fair few number of those in her time, but uh, she was a little bit emotional this time, Rook. What did you think? Well, it's been a really rollercoaster ride for her. She went into it, you know, very prepared, very fresh, and then got struck down by a stomach bug that she had to battle for the first few days. Everyone, I mean, the pressure on the, of the world was on her today, on her shoulders to, like, perform, and, man, did she perform didn't she just Lizzie what did you make of that performance you know I, I actually wondered if the fact that she'd had the stomach bug took the pressure off a bit she'd had such a, a torrid time with that with losing Emma Norsgaard with this gravel stage where she so nearly lost time but took the bike of Norsgaard actually you know it was almost like the pressure wasn't on her but I, she still would have felt it but but had she have not performed she kind of had the excuse but but I mean she did perform she did what we'd have expected a fit Annemiek van Vloon to, to do today and it was really pretty phenomenal I mean she she just dropped everybody from the gun pretty much and um, and that was it it was game over and nobody could touch her behind Demi Vollering looked like she was going to be able to but just no one had an answer. As I, when I talked to her this morning um, and see how she was doing, she said she was physically strong and she was mentally strong and she was absolutely prepared for for today's stage. And, and oh, that that's, a, very that's a evident. warning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. warning. Well, uh, we had loads of fans here to enjoy uh, Van Vluten's uh, victory. They were kind of weirdly quiet. You'll, you'll hear a little bit uh, in my kind of uh, package from the race itself when I'm kind of talking a, a, as I go. But they were kind of almost weirdly stunned uh, into silence up here. Uh, where are we, Rook? Tell us where we are. We're on the top of Markstein, and all you can see is very green mountaintops. It's uh, absolutely beautiful up It here. is. We're kind of above the mountains in many ways I mean they're kind of they're at our eye level they're not towering above us here are they we're quite a long way up actually we're almost at the height of uh, Ben Nevis here which is oh, the wow. biggest uh, peak <laughs> in the UK that's what I've been told anyway I haven't actually fact checked that but uh, <laughs> depends what you mean by almost as uh, high as doesn't it I guess so I'm leaving some room room for uh, interpretation but yeah it's 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 a ski resort we've got the chairlifts coming up uh, what were you drinking, Rook? Uh, at, what, at what point was it? Yeah, at what point in the day? I should uh, be more specific. Um, today was going to be my day among the fans, uh, which meant I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, earlier today we had um, a local gold beer. And then oh. um, I had, what did I have? An Aperol Spritz uh, at dinner. Yes, I went for the Aperol Spritz as well, which I thought was very apres ski. Very. Very, very apres very ski. Very fitting. Which, uh, you know, I'm uh, still enjoying. And, uh, well, Lizzie, I can't comment on your, you know, what you're oh, drinking today. I've had an alcohol-free okay. and an alcohol-con today. Or alcohol-avec, I should say, seeing as we're in France. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you know what? I thought this is the Queen stage. I'm going to enjoy a beer while watching it. And it was absolutely great. A nice cold one from the fridge. Oh, that sounds great. perfect. Did you um did you happen to catch the toboggans going down? No. Yeah. Oh, you, no. you know you were at a ski resort when? Are you sure that you hadn't had a few more beers and it was just like a, a vision? Double double Definitely vision. Definitely not. I was very envious. I was like, oh, that looks like fun. Oh, that sounds great. No, I missed that completely. But uh, it's still a hive of activity. There's a huge amount of, uh, yeah, people just, uh, the old traffic jam down the... Uh, climb is what we're seeing uh, disappear but you know the fans were treated to quite a spectacle today Lizzie why don't you tell us uh, what happened stage seven and the queen stage of the Tour de France fam 127.1 kilometers of pure savagery from Celestat to Lamarckstein a flurry of attacks straight from the gun saw 33 riders eventually get up the road but with the not so putty ballon kicking off the party only 40 kilometers into the stage the break was short-lived with Annemiek van Vluten doing a classic Annemiek van Vluten attacking just two kilometers into the 9k climb and with 85 still to go she blew the race to bits a chasing bunch already strung out after such a hard start were on the back foot. Many riders simply didn't even see the move, but it was Vollering who was the only one who was able to react. All was not lost. Half the Petit Ballon climb still to go and a deficit of only 30 seconds to a strong group from FDJ. Nivea Doma, Longo Borghini, Persicu, Labus and Ziggert all there too. As the road went up, Longo Borghini chanced her arm, riding away from the group and sandwiching herself between them and the Dutch duo up front. Down the Putti Ballon and no rest straight up the Plaza Vasel. And FDJ, despite having numbers in the third group on the road, were hemorrhaging time, with the gap to the front now growing to four minutes and Longo Borghini dangling just a minute ahead. As Nivea Doma put her foot on the gas, Grace Brown was ejected from the chase. 1k to go to the top of the Plaza Vasel and Annemiek van Vluten attacked from the front, accelerating away from Vollering at lightning speed onto the descent. And it was woman oh, our woman oh, as Vollering desperately tried to maintain the gap. Longo Borghini was still holding her gap to the Nivea Doma group, but behind their deficit to the front was now stretched to a massive six minutes. The power-friendly descent and Long Valley Road was the perfect place to play for a regenerated Van Vluten as the gap to Vollering steadily grew. A minute, 120, 140, two minutes, and by the base of the Grand Ballon, 2.30 as Vollering's poker face started to fade. 13 to go now, and Vollering losing yet another minute to a raging Van Vluten. Behind, Longo Borghini was finally in sight and quickly absorbed. As Nivea Doma piled on the pressure at the front, Persico and an exhausted Longo Borghini came off the back. Back up front, Vollering was digging seriously deep to minimise yet more losses as she crested the top of the Grand Ballon at seven to go. Van Vluten had just 2.2 kilometres of tarmac left to ride. And it was 2.2k of pure delight, banishing the demons of a tumultuous week and grinning from ear to ear. Annemiek van Vluten crested the final rise to rapturous applause and crowds five deep to take both the stage and the yellow jersey. The pre-race favourite left us with zero question marks about her form. Gasping for air and grimacing in pain, Demi Vollering crossed the line three minutes and 26 seconds down. Now a trio behind, Nivea Doma was keeping the pace high to hold her third spot in the general classification, with Udtrup Ludwig besting Juliette Labouste to take the battle for third place on the stage. Five minutes and 16 seconds down, with Persico and Longo Borghini losing a further minute and a half. As the yellow jersey passed from one great to another, Mariana Voss swapped yellow for green. 
Trek Segafredo's consolation prize after Longo Borghini's solo efforts were in vain was for Shirin Van Anroy to take the white jersey of best young rider. An exhausted and visibly emotional Demi Vollering took the lead in the polka dot jersey by a single point from Van Vluten, and Vollering, choking back the tears of exhaustion and disappointment, tried to muster a smile atop the podium. Canyon Shram retained the lead in the team classification, and in the general classification, despite large gaps from first to third, there are four riders within two minutes of Neviodoma's third place on GC heading into the final day tomorrow. The cycling podcast at the 2022 Tour de France FAM, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights, and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Our title sponsors, Super Sapiens, were founded by the former rider Phil Sutherland, who is a type 1 diabetic. And he also founded the Team Type 1 team, which nowadays is called Team Novo Nordisk, sponsored by the Danish company Novo Nordisk. And last year, a filmmaker, Peter Alsted, a Danish filmmaker, followed the team to document a season in the life of the Novo Nordisk team. All of their riders are Type 1 diabetics, and the film shows how they compete at the highest level of professional cycling week in, week out, whilst managing diabetes. As Phil Sutherland says, there are over 500 million people around the world living with diabetes, and that number is rising every day. 18 of those people compete for Team Novo Nordisk, and the film is a fascinating watch. It's available on the Outside Online website. Go to outsideonline.com. Here's a little trailer. I spent most of my teens trying to blend in when I was diagnosed, I didn't know how my life was going to be. I was just scared. We scoured the planet for kids with diabetes, and we're able to find 17 kids to form the first team. Nice radio check. Can you hear me, guys? The team is made up of riders, all of whom have a type 1 diabetes. Morgan, you need to fight all the way there. There's no one behind you. Well, as you can hear, I'm here at the start in Celestat. Uh, for this first of the mountain stages. We're in, a, in the centre of Alsace here, and you can tell that by the buildings, kind of lovely little wooden beamed, uh, slightly uh, wonky looking little buildings that are typical of, uh, of Alsace. And uh, big crowds gathering already, still got half an hour before the start. Um, big cheers going up, of course, for Audrey Cordon Rigaud, the French national champion. Uh, and I can see just over the, the way, the mix zone, very busy. Dave Cashanivia Doma, lots of questions going her way. Elisa Longo Borghini, obviously Demi Vollering, Ashley Moorman, and of course Annemiek van Vluten. They've all been very busy with the press this morning. They're expecting to be the big winners, or as it may be, the big losers uh, of today, I guess. 
what's coming up ahead of them. Uh, three challenging climbs, Petit Ballon, called the Platzevassel, my favourite, and the Grand Ballon. Uh, Platzevassel looks really steep. Uh, that's the second on the road today. I'm going to try and uh, head off now, try and get ahead of the race and get to the Petit Ballon uh, in time for, to see the riders coming through. Uh, and we'll see there um, if there's any, been any early attacks. Let's see. Well, we've just arrived at the Petit Ballon, the first climb of today, and uh, there's some great crowds lining up already. A little bit of tension in the air, kind of people getting uh, nervous, anxiously awaiting seeing these riders. We've already had the info car go through, um, so it shouldn't be long now. I haven't got any signal at all, and Lizzie tells me that there's no uh, TV coverage yet so uh, I'm kind of in the dark about what's going on um, I know there was a big break when early but they I mean they might have been caught and you don't know what we're going to see so uh, it's going to be exciting for me to call it when we when the uh, riders finally come up I'm right at the top at the summit uh, at the Queen of the Mountains um, banner and uh, it actually gets a little flatter around here most of the, the steepest part of this climb is kind of at the beginning uh, and a little bit in the middle section but it, it's uh, I can see uh, a great long line to the horizon so I'm going to see the riders coming up from a long long distance uh, and then we'll see who crests this climb first well here we go riders coming up already I mean they're, they're tiny to me now I can hardly even make out who it's going to be it's got to be some of the strongest uh, riders in the race, there's no doubt. Just two alone, a, a huge stretch of empty road behind them. Let's see if I can uh, get in among the crowds, get a, a better look up here. Now here we go. Oh, that's unmistakable. It's Annemiek van Vluten, of course it is. And that's got to be Demi Vollering on her wheel. Demi Vollering matching her pedal stroke, pedal stroke, but Van Vluten is clearly going for it here. She's not leaving anything to chance today. Wow, phenomenal riding. Listen to that crowd. Demi Vollering trying to come round her at the, the very top, but Van Vluten is going to hold her off. And I cannot say, I've got a huge long view, to, and I can't hardly see there's one single rider on this stretch of road. Unbelievable performance from Vluton. She, we thought that she might just pack a punch on the last day, but she's not leaving it to chance at all going out. This is the first climb of the day. This isn't even the hardest climb that they've got to do today. Obviously putting down an emphatic performance. Straight away, the Giro Rosa champion. She is making her mark already on this race and she looks like she's in fine form. Clearly, all those problems from early in the week, the stomach issues that she had, well, she hasn't got them anymore, has she? Wow, what a showing. And I'm still, I'm still just waiting. I can't even, uh, the single other rider that's behind on the road is still not even recognisable to me. That's, you know, that's how tiny this next rider is on the horizon. to be seen we've got a few more right far down but she's completely on her own I mean this whole race has been blown to pieces already 
I mean, I just can't believe the state of this race already. Ashley Moorman, we were tipping her for a great day, but she's uh, heading up this next group. Uh, they are... Veronica uh, Ewers is there. She's climbing fantastically well. We'll have to see. Uh, and then uh, after those groups, where all the contenders are, all the favourites, none, none of the favourites are missing from those front groups. Uh, we've just got uh, another long stretch of road um, before we can find uh, uh, another uh, rider. You know who we hadn't seen? The yellow jersey, of course, Marina Well, She's just coming past us now in a big group with the likes of Ellen Van Dyke. Huge group. She's already lost several, several minutes on this very first climb. Uh, I think even Mariana knew that she wouldn't have the yellow jersey at the end of today. Uh, but a phenomenal showing for her and uh, no, no better rider to be in that yellow jersey uh, than her for, for the majority of this week. Well, wow. <laughs> Just got to uh, Le Markstein uh, Fellung, which is the, uh, the finish. And, well, what has happened uh, between uh, Le Petit Ballon, the first climb, uh, and here is just those gaps that we saw in Le Petit Ballon have just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Annemiek van Vluten just steamrollering everyone. I mean, the, the gap between her and Vollering at the moment is 17k to go now. The gap is uh, three minutes, uh, four seconds. Uh, the gap from Anamik to Elisa Longo-Borghini is five minutes, 45. The gap to the Nivea Doma group is six minutes, 30. And those gaps are just ticking second by second, bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just, uh, well, I'm lost for words, as you can probably tell. I kind of... Uh, up here it's a ski resort it's very kind of open um, there's not like loads of things going on but it's full of crowds absolutely full of crowds people are kind of uh, five, six, seven people stick at the finish here but it's kind of a, a strange atmosphere it reminds me a little bit of the 2018 uh, Giro d'Italia when Chris Froome won that stage 19 in such uh, unbelievable uh, fashion I remember the spectators on that day, everyone was just standing there gawping, staring at the screen, couldn't believe what they were witnessing. It's, it's kind of that vibe now. Everyone's just uh, a little bit, uh, a, you know, a little bit at a, at a loss for, for what to say. I mean, she's remarkable. She's just so remarkable. I mean, the way that she's ridden this, come out uh, aggressive. I mean, what we know about Van Vluten, she's never conservative. And, and uh, to have come on the first uh, real mountains day, go to the first climb on the first mountains day, the bottom of the climb pretty much, and to attack from there and just to have uh, seen her lead grow and grow and grow, it's, yeah, it's remarkable. It's, yeah, well, well, what can I say? I mean, I, that's the race over, isn't it? Well, we'll have to see when we get to the finish, but I mean, it, what can anyone do from here? I guess now uh, we look back lower on the peloton and, and uh, have a think about uh, who's going to go those next pelot those next podium places, what the battle there might be like, what the battle coming from the Nivea Doma group uh, might be. But, I mean, can we say that's the yellow jersey wrapped up? I mean, I think we can, can't we? Well, uh, I'll check back in at the finish. Well, we're uh, 
at the finish here and Van Vluten just gone through the, the Flam Rouge and I've found Rook who's just uh, well you're just working off your, your few beers that you just had <laughs> I didn't have a few beers <laughs> uh, I just spent some time hanging out with some fans who flew in all the way from the west coast of America just to watch these riders come by at least once so that's pretty neat Wow, God, that's yeah, a long way. Well, what, what you know, what did they make of uh, this stage? Oh, they think they think it's phenomenal. They got to ride it this morning, um, and it took them about three hours to complete what took these riders only an hour. Wow, wow, it's incredible. Well, we're just seeing, uh, just saw Van Vluten uh, give a thumbs up to the camera. She's just coming up the rise. Now, I mean, what can we say, Rook? I mean, everything's been said about her. That's the thing, right? Like, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write later today, and it's like, well, everything has been said about Anime. Did we know she was going to win? Yes. And yet, here we are, and it still amazes us. Yeah, it's true. I mean, her strength, her power, her athleticism, it's kind of, you can only be uh, wowed uh, about it. You know, and she's just coming in now. You can hear the crowd. Just coming across the line. I mean, uh, and she stopped. You know, just past the line. Nowhere near where we are. Where <laughs> she we missed out. But I mean, she was just giving it absolutely everything. Uh, to it's the line. tremendous. I mean, she put over 20 minutes on the yellow jersey of Mariana Bosch. That's that's very impressive. It's just uh, yeah, incredible. And now I can't even fill the time it's going to take until the next rider comes in. So always will, people will just be listening to us for... <laughs> for six minutes. <laughs> for yeah. six minutes. That's what's kind of ridiculous about it. Just seeing now Demi Bonnerin coming up to the line. She's gasping for breath. She is totally on her limits. I mean, what has Van Vluten done to all of these other riders today? And now we're uh, just coming up to under the Flam Rouge is the next group of three, which have been... Incredible performance, not too much fireworks from them. We just seen Debbie Vollering go past actually. Lots of uh, bravos from the crowd. She's uh, just getting to getting to the fence, bowing down on her bike. I mean she's absolutely she's been on her limit for all day long. I mean, normally you get a few quotes on the finish line here. The riders are too tired to even speak. They're exhausted, uh, heads dipped, heads in hands. Uh, Here we have Avita Muziku, huge effort from her, and she's sitting down, leaning against the fences, trying to just catch her breath, (laughs) having a drink, attended by us one year. Got a smile from her at least, which is something. But I'm gonna head to the buses, see if we can get more reaction there and on this day, which is just, as just almost certainly decided the uh, winner of the very first Tour de France fan.
Well, I guess we're left with no questions about uh, Annemiek van Vluten's uh, form, are we? The only question that we are left with at the end of today, after such a dominant performance, is how do you solve a problem like Annemiek for any of the other teams? Brooke, have you got any idea? <laughs> have you been you know, singing that from the top of the hills today? How do you solve <laughs> yeah, a problem like van Vluten? Uh, it's the perfect, they are the perfect hill, the perfect green rolling hills for it, but I haven't, I haven't. Maybe it would cost too much in licensing, probably. You probably cost us a few grand already. But yeah, Rook, what you know? What you, do the other teams do? You know, I've been asking them the same question. Like, what do you do? Attack, 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 attack is the answer, right? I mean, she can't respond to all of them. The problem is, who's left to attack? Well, that's yeah, so, that's the uh, thing, isn't it? And today there wasn't any space to attack before Van Vluten had the chance to go. There was only 40k before we started the climbing, and tomorrow there's a bit more of an opportunity because we've got a little bit longer to play the game and get ahead. But there was no there was no option to get ahead today. It was just it was straight from the gun, and Van Vluten took the opportunity. Yeah, I mean tomorrow we'll have uh, you know another go at another very long climb. It will be as uh, Veronica Ewers told me a uh, brutal suffering of a different kind tomorrow. Oh, so. that sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have you know a half a day of, of uh, potential to to make her respond to things, and then the roads go up, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. I know, it's one of those uh, things I, I did say in, in the, the package that you will have uh, just heard uh, when I was uh, out at the uh, stage, at the, getting to the finish line before the race had finished, uh, that, you know, there was kind of a, a, a quietness around the crowds. They were kind of kind of stunned. It did kind of uh, leave me um, remembering, uh, as I said in the package, actually, the, the Chris Froome win mm. at the Giro uh, in 2018 when it was mm. stage 19 and he just obliterated everybody. Huge solo attack from a very long way out because, I mean, Van Vluten, she literally attacked from as early as it was possible yeah. to attack. 85k Absolutely. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bananas. Like, I, I do feel that there was some, some eerie quiet here as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, us journalists are all looking at each other going, what is there left to write, you know? Annemiek wins and what, you know? Like, yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where she's just on such another level. It's, all you can do really is, is uh, take your hat off to her and say chapeau. But, but I mean, had, had Marta Cavalli have been here, which obviously she wasn't, but had she had, had she have been here, would that have been the same though? Because because she was put under pressure in the Giro and of course Mavi Garcia wasn't there today, but was that because she had such a horrible day on the gravel stage? Um, and I don't actually think Van Vluten's infallible. I mean, she's pretty much infallible but she she was shaking <laughs> she was shaking a bit at the Giro yeah but this woman is 39 knocking on the door of 40 <laughs> and she's just you know putting her hand on, on you know 21 year olds out there it's it's truly astonishing it uh, is and it uh, is. yeah obviously it, it's very rare actually for uh Annemiek to be kind of overwhelmed by the the magnitude of what she has won and her victory but I think it was a little bit the case today and uh, I think it also means so much to have the yellow jersey also for her team Movistar which is obviously mm. uh, as a men's team is, is I think it is in some in whatever form it has been in it, it is the oldest uh, mm. team that still runs uh, on the men's side of things um, so shall we hear from Sebastian Unzue who is the uh, women's team manager obviously he's also the son of Eusebio 
Unzue, who has uh, run the men's team for a very long time. Um, so let's uh, uh, hear from him and what the having the yellow jersey in their possession meant to him. Well, Sebastian, that was an absolutely incredible day for your team. Describe your emotions. It's hard to describe. Uh, we've been working really hard for this. We started the Tour de France uh, not in the best way. Uh, we suffered a lot the first few days knowing that Anemic was sick. We had a lot of doubts uh, regarding if she would or if she wouldn't uh, recover and get well. Uh, yesterday, already after the stage, she told us she was feeling way, way better. Today in the morning she woke up and she said, I'm hungry, I'm, I'm hungry for more, I'm hungry to, to put up a fight today. We had a clear plan, we, wanted to, we knew we wanted to attack early on, we wanted the, the leaders to be isolated and we wanted it to be a fight between the GC riders in early on, because we know that Anemic uh, can really make a difference in those circumstances. And that's what we did, uh, Anemic executed the plan to perfection. Her teammates also did perfectly everything that they had to do and it's an extremely special feeling today to be able to get the yellow jersey. It's, it's something, something extremely special. Now you mentioned there the difference, Anamique making the difference. Tell us a bit about Anamique's character and how much is it the difference that she makes as an athlete and how much is it the Movistar team pulling yeah. together to deliver that result? Yeah. Now she's the most structured and focused person that I've met in my life. She's super professional, really well structured in all aspects, and she has a very clear idea of what she wants at all times. It's really easy to work with her. She's a super good teammate also. She's someone that puts a lot of pressure on herself, also on us. But we need to we need to accept that pressure because because it's the same one that she's putting on herself, and and she has made the team improve a lot. She has carried the weight of the whole team in her shoulders for many times. And these first three days of the Tour de France, where she was suffering, it was the team who carried her on their shoulders, and that makes me also really proud. Because because if we end up winning this race, uh, it's going to be a a really big team effort, not just what Anemic did, but what the other teammates did. And, and yeah, it's a really beautiful day today. Now, you talked a lot about team. Movistar team in its various guises has been around for many, many years. How big would this be, assuming Anamique pulls it off tomorrow and seals the victory on La Planche de Belfi? This would be huge. We've, we've been dreaming about this for a long time. Uh, we had huge ambitions coming into these seasons. We, we tried to, to strengthen the team in the, in the transfer market last year. I think we achieved that. Uh, we're a better team every day and every year we keep improving and that's a goal also for next year. So uh, this, is, this, is, this is just it. Well, I'm sure it's not ready uh, for champagne corks popping tonight, maybe, but you know, maybe 24 hours time, yeah. you can allow yourself to celebrate. We have, we have to wait a little bit until tomorrow afternoon, and I hope at this time tomorrow afternoon we can talk again and, and be celebrating with some champagne. Now, that was Sebastian Unzue of the Movistar uh, women's team. Uh, and I did, was trying to do a little bit of fact-finding, try and work out what the last time that Movistar had the yellow jersey, mm. and I think it was Oscar Pereiro in 2006, I've been told. Please write in and tell us if I'm wrong. Is it, is it, uh, you know, I was sitting there watching this and I thought, I was thinking back to a few years ago thinking, I never thought Movistar would win the Tour de France. Yes. (laughs) Well, they still haven't, Lizzie. Well, they haven't. They're the first time. One place left. (laughs) 
there's still another stage to go. But I mean, uh, the margins are huge, aren't they? I mean, we've got Van Vluten uh, ahead now by three minutes and 14 seconds in the general classification to Demi Vollering and four minutes and 33 seconds uh, over Cashin Doma. I mean, one big climb is not going to remedy that tomorrow, is it? No, no. I, I mean, I don't think it will. Uh, I knew like the stage going to blow things up, but I did not expect her to get you know twenty four minutes on uh, on on the yellow jersey. So it was uh, it was it was an absolute carnage out there today in terms of time gaps. Yeah. Well, we came across uh, at the finish uh, a little group of fans who are all wearing matching uh, baseball caps with the world champ stripes and Anamik written across it. Uh, and they were big, big Annemiek van Vleuten uh, fans, which I love to see because, you know, that's such a tradition in the men's side of the sport, these fan clubs and people who travel just to see uh, their particular uh, rider. So let's hear from Fabienne, who was uh, kind enough to uh, put down her beer for a minute and uh, talk to us. <laughs> well, uh, tell us what you're doing here, this little fan club that I found. We are the fan club from Belgium with the uncle from Annemiek. That's the uncle from Annemiek. Oh. That's the uncle from Annemiek. And we are four people from Belgium who follows Annemiek for several years. Do you go to a lot of her races? Yeah, we, we've been in uh, every uh, world championship. Uh, Innsbruck, uh, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. We were everywhere in Belgium. Every race. In uh, Holland, every race. Now here in France. The Tour de France. We are here, my man and my husband and me, we are here from uh, Tuesday, and the rest of the people are coming from Friday. And we stay till Monday because tomorrow we have to party. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, what, was, uh, what did you make of Annemiek's performance today? Is that, is that what you were expecting? Yeah, that's what's perfect. The first three days of the race, she was sick. Now she said, I'm better. So we thought this day is hers. She's gonna make it. We thought it was on the third climb. She made it on the second time. So very good. We know when, when we, we were on the, on the second climb and when she passed us, we said she can do it. We know she can race alone. So she made it. We are very happy. Uh, and what what is it that you like most about Annemiek? Is it her off the bike or how she rides? How she rides is super. How she is off the bike is also super. She's every time you see her, she's a normal person. Some some people when they have success, they blow it up. She doesn't do that. She's always a normal person. She's always sympathetic, always normal. Yeah. And what's the plan for tomorrow? Uh, defending the jersey, that's the first plan. But Anamik is not her character for only de- defending the jersey. She go for the right. She go for the win. But what's your plan? My plan, we're going to see at the Plage de Belfie with our, uh, our group. We're going to the Plage de Belfie and we're going to support her. And when she wins, 
We're going to make a party. Well, obviously, Fabian and the rest of the uh, Van Vluten uh, fan, fan club, Belgian fan club, unusually. Interesting, yeah. Which is very interesting. Um, we're uh, going to be very happy uh, tonight uh, with the result. But apart from uh, Anamik and Movistar and Fabienne and the fan club, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people, aren't there, Rook, today? Do you think so? I think, oh, yeah. I think everyone expected this to happen, don't you think? I mean, Marion herself said, you know, of course it's not easy to let go, but it's what, what I expected to happen. I don't think I... Ex- I did expect it to happen, but not at the margin uh, so much, especially considering that uh, Anamik had been unwell. And yeah. really, we had seen so little of her in the first few stages. I didn't think that... I thought maybe she... I mean, I, I mean... She never plays it cautious. It's silly for me to say I thought maybe she would be a little bit cautious or a little conservative because that literally never happens. But I did think, uh, bearing in mind how unwell she had been, maybe going at the very, at the, you know, the first two kilometres on that first climb, you said, mm. Lizzie, in the television app, mm. maybe going at that point wouldn't have been wise. Um, but, Lizzie, you know, she obviously but she was obviously feeling better. That's the thing. She oh, was yeah, obviously course, feeling yeah. better. And, and once she was feeling but the, better, But the other riders didn't know that, did they? No, I mean, the other riders weren't to know that. Lizzie, um, you mentioned the uh, Marion Vos effect earlier this week. Do you think there's such a thing as a Anamique van Vleuten effect, where she goes and people just kind of like reassign themselves to second place very much so very much so and we saw this a lot with Anna van der Brecken when she was so dominant um, it was almost like you know she would go and everybody was just resigned to second place and I think that that is very much the same thing with Annemiek van Vluten and, and sometimes because people are so resigned to it even pre-race they don't even think about how tactically they could beat her but I think that the problem here well we didn't actually see coverage of uh, the critical moment of the race which is another discussion topic in itself mm. which I was actually talking to Francois about interestingly because he was in contact with ASO and France Television but we didn't see these critical attacks which were so early in the race but from what I can garner from um, different riders talking about it after the race actually because it was so hectic in the bunch the bunch was very strung out and there were a number of riders who didn't even see Van Vluten and Vollering go or Van Vluten go and Vollering follow and I think that's why we saw a number of riders, um, you know, Veronica, Veronica Ewers, Elise Shabby, Mavi Garcia, they were all in this group behind. And we, and Mormon Passio as well. I was so surprised mm. when she wasn't there. And I think, you know, I, I wish we'd have been able to see that footage because it would have been absolutely brilliant. And I think that actually a lot of it may have been due to riders just being caught out from positioning, uh, from things just, you know, exploding on the race. Well, it was crazy because uh, I was getting updates. I was on Petit Ballon at the top. Um, as you heard and uh, I was trying to get updates from Lizzie who I mean Lizzie sends the best whatsapps um, updates just constantly (laughs) constantly pinging 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 and finding out exactly what's happening but Lizzie I mean you weren't able to help me too much I didn't have much signal um, up there and uh, but there were no pictures no there were no pictures really a travesty so you know you said that Francois had spoken to uh, France Television about it Uh, what did Francois find out from them well so Francois told me that it's not entirely ASO's decision about how much 
television goes out and there's an agreement with France Television that every stage will have two and a half hours of coverage and because this stage was going to be longer uh, due to the fact that it was very mountainous and therefore the riders would be having a lower average speed that meant that we the coverage would start later in the race. Now the design of the stages so far has been so that they are all quite back loaded and now with this in mind it seems clear that uh, knowing that we've only got two and a half hours of race coverage the organizers have have backloaded the stages in order that we will see the majority of the coverage now with having the Petit Ballon only 40 kilometers into the stage that just simply wasn't possible to combine those two today um, but the good news is that uh, ASO feel that this has been an incredibly successful tour um, that it will definitely continue now um, and I think that they felt that the response to it was better than they had expected so so that is very positive um, it hopefully means that we will have more sponsors brought in and and very hopefully that we will get longer stage coverage next year um, and potentially even flag to finish that that would be the hope especially for for queen stages like today yeah that would be great because it uh, I mean we just kind of have to go on what the riders tell us and uh, we know there was a big group that was gone and that kind of added to the chaos on the Petit Bellon uh, right at the beginning when uh, Van Vreuten attacked. Uh, but Demi Vollering, I mean, she was managing to match uh, Van Vreuten for quite a long time, wasn't she, Ruth? Yeah, she was. And, and I mean, she's been really like putting in everything she could to get ready for this race. She's been up here several times. She's been up the plunge at least twice, maybe three times already. Like this was her race and uh, she was absolutely devastated coming across the line. Mm. Um, she just kept saying that she just wasn't strong enough. Like it wasn't enough that that what she's done so far and and yeah she just kept saying i'm just not strong enough so yeah i mean that's incredible so knowing that sd works the strength of the team that they have i mean i think we were all surprised to see ashley moorman so far back yeah. uh, so early on uh, in today's stage when mm -hmm. she looked so fresh just a few days ago um and uh, perhaps uh, you know, we don't know why Ashley Mormon was uh, so far back as she it's, was. It's but, a difficult you know, thing, though, Rose, because it, once Annemiek van Vluten had gone, if, if you know, Vollering was up the road, if she'd missed that gap and then there was another group, she wouldn't have been in a position then when she was able to, to pull the group that she was with back to the front group because it would have been like she was attacking her teammate. So uh, it depends exactly what the situation was on the road at that point. But... Mm depending where you are you very quickly get into a position where you you can't ride you're not allowed to ride because you will be pulling rivals up closer towards your teammate yeah well let's have a listen to uh well you mentioned her a bit earlier actually lizzie anna van der Brega, but obviously not in her uh riding role but this time as a uh, ds um speaking about uh, demi vollering and how demi vollering should be very proud of what she's uh, achieved today um, I mean, it's just to motivate Demi that uh, in the beginning she was going really well, and that's good to hear. So uh, yeah, and then we, when she, you could see she was getting it a bit harder on that second climb just before the top, and just uh, motivating to stay in the wheel and to try to to beat with Annemiek until the top. Because yeah, if you need to do uh, the valley alone, then it's it's more difficult. But yeah, she tried very hard, but she just didn't make it until the top. Um, but yeah, and then it's fighting, I mean, against, uh, against the road and yourself for a long time. And uh, yeah, she did great. I think uh, second place is really good. Um, and tomorrow is another day, try to keep it. And uh, yeah, if you look to downhills, Damien is faster than Annemiek in the downhills. So she, 
you should make uh, advantage of that and for sure put on the meek under pressure where it's possible. Um, so Damien tried and it was a gap and it's always good because on the meek needs to close it. Um, and then yeah, probably she will come back, but uh, it takes some energy always. Yeah, I mean it's a hard stage and it's a long time ago I think we have seen a, a one-to-one fight like this. And uh, with the first three all fighting alone, um, yeah, it's crazy actually. And you see the group behind coming back in the end uh, with Elisa, but um, yeah, it just shows that it, uh, that it was a really hard stage and also that the difference are pretty big, we need to be honest. I think it's pretty clear tomorrow is also a stage like this with hard climbing. So if nothing happens, I mean, uh, Annemiek is the strongest uphill. And uh, yeah, we should focus on the, on the place Demi has now and on the good performance she's doing. And I think uh, you always should keep on fighting because you never know what happens. Okay. And were you expecting uh, the race to be broken up like that at the finish? Or were you expecting there to be a, a couple of riders coming to the line together? Uh, no, for sure, if you look to the profile, it won't be uh, with a lot of riders. But you see a group also from the bottom at this climb, the Grand Ballon uh, was still there. So, yeah, it can happen. But, yeah, I mean, um, if you see how split it up, it was straight from the first climb. We didn't know if it was on the first climb, for sure we would take the downhill hole so to, to make speed and to put Annemiek under pressure, but yeah, it, I mean, if you look to the to the parcours, it's, it's three big climbs, so Were you I'm surprised? sure it's not a bunch sprint. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, but were you surprised how early Annemiek went? Yeah, well, that's what I said, it could be the first climb or the second climb, um, but yeah, it's for this stage it was not really like... You had the valley after the two climbs, so if you wait until the last climb, it's uh, it you're you waste actually two nice climbs. So we knew it was an opportunity that that she would start. Yeah, if she was feeling good, that she would start on the first climb. Well, let's hear from uh, another DS. That was Anna van der Breggen, uh, but I did catch up with uh, Ina Tutenberg. Uh, who you'll hear is uh, very uh, downbeat. You know, when Ina doesn't want to talk, she doesn't want to talk, does she? <laughs> she says that she wants to talk and then she does not want to talk. Um, but yeah, she's obviously the Trek Segafredo uh, DS um, and uh, Elisa Longo Borghini, uh, who for so much of today's stage was on her own mm. in third on the, on the road uh, and eventually got picked up by the group behind and then dropped by them as well. So let's hear from uh, Ina Tutenberg. Ina, well, were you, were you surprised how early Annemiek uh, went today? No, we, we knew she would go there. <laughs> and what was the what was the team tactic, knowing that that's what was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, we had tried to have Elisa stay in her limits and all that, but I mean, it was just a tough day for everybody. And what was your advice uh, for Elisa the, from the car? Because she was uh, solo for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, we tried her not to push it like 100% down the valley and all that, but she still was alone, so I think that really did cost her at the end there. So, you know, it's the others caught her and then they were a little bit better at the end, so it just is what it is. Yeah. You know, is, there, is there a psychological element to that if you're doing that many kilometres uh, on your own? No, I mean, if Elisa has the legs and uh, she could stay there, she would stay there. I mean, yeah, it frustrates you that they catch you again, but I mean, she's that's not going to crack her. I mean, her legs uh, couldn't answer the attack there at the end anymore. And what about tomorrow? What's the plan for them? We see, we see. Haven't thought about that just yet. Well, what did we think about Elisa Longo-Borghini's uh, tactic there? I mean, it seems quite clear 
in hindsight, at the end of the stage, that Vollering and Van Vluten were head and shoulders above the rest, uh, Lizzie. But, you know, should Elisa have, you know, maybe stayed in a group? You know, what's the uh, tactic? No, I, I don't think so because at the point that Elisa went on the climb, from what I can understand from uh, pro cycling stats, actually, which was providing such great live coverage um, and from you know interviews with riders afterwards, is that when Elisa Longo Borghini attacked and tried to get across, actually the gap was quite small; it was less than a minute. Um, and then she she got a gap to the group that she was in, which she held. But unfortunately, that gap to Van Vluten just continued to grow go out. Well, it was Van Vluten and Vollering at that point so actually actually you know Longo Borghini was holding a really good tempo it was just the 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 duo the Dutch duo they pulled that gap out to the point where it was six minutes back to the Utrup Ludwig group and five minutes back to Longo Borghini and then Longo Borghini and the Utrup Ludwig group held that for a very very long time so it was actually a phenomenal ride by Longo Borghini kind of Van Vluten versus Vollering versus her versus five and so actually to only get absorbed when she did, I, I think that it was a phenomenal ride. But, you know, once she'd committed to that, she couldn't really sit up because she didn't know what was going to happen behind. And I, and I think, Rick, you saw her after the line and she was pretty devastated. Yeah, I mean, that was another uh, person that came across the line just absolutely just shattered. Um, she just sat down and, and needed a, a good few minutes to be uh, comforted by, by her staff there. Um, she actually kept saying that she wanted her mum. Oh, she was just absolutely destroyed. And, and uh, I mean, she gave it literally everything she could. And it was such a brave ride. And uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, performances like that, it just shows you just how hard the sport is. Yeah. yeah, I think she said it was like rock climbing. Yeah, she did, indeed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no. A 200k solo followed by rock climbing, I believe, is what she said. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it felt like. It is yeah. crazy. And, I, you know, at this point in a tour, you really... And, and, you know, many people will say, oh, it's it's only eight days, it's not 21 days. But our racing is different. Our racing is so high intensity. In the men's races, in the Tour de France, on, you know, quite often you'll have a break go and you'll just be kind of you know soft pedaling around for a while but it's not like that in our races it is just full gas and it is simply so exhausting and there's so much frenetic media around this first uh, you know inaugural new edition of the women's tour de france fam and there's, there's so much to do outside of the bike racing as well and you get to this point one day to go and you, you're pretty pretty empty and then doing you know 60 kilometers solo on top of that and and having a mountaintop finish and then getting dropped and clinging on it's it's pretty it's pretty exhausting. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2022 Tour de France FAM. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much to Science in Sport for supporting the cycling podcast. You can get 25% off everything at scienceinsport.com with the code, which I'm sure you all know by now, SISCP25. It's as simple as filling up your basket with uh, whatever products you'd like to fuel your ride and then use the discount code SISCP25. But do bear in mind that code doesn't work in conjunction with any other discounts that Science in Sport might be running. So uh, check out scienceinsport.com and use the code SISCP25.
Well, Rose, I, I hope you're all right. Uh, penultimate stage already. It's gone so quickly. Uh, lots of uh, things to say about today's stage. We started, you, you started in Celesta, a lovely little town. I mean, like most of the Alsace towns you've been through, uh, once again, lots of white wine, lots of Alsace wine. It's also, Celesta is also a regular fixture of the Tour d'Alsace cycling. And remember, in 2019, there was a stage of the Tour d'Alsace there, won by Tim Merlier, the Belgian sprinter. And also, Celesta is a sporting town. It was twice awarded the national title by newspaper L'Equipe in 1959 and 2010. 10 as the uh, most sporting city in France. A local specialty in Celesta where Kuglov, I mean Kuglov is all over Alsace, it's cake, uh, the most traditional of uh, Alsatian cakes, uh, it's kind of a tasty brioche with leaven dough, um, whose appearance is characteristic due to its mold, which gives it a high fluted shape with a hole in the middle. Anyway, so you, you'll find Kuglov everywhere in, in Alsace and it's especially famous in Celesta and usually you uh, well you, you you eat it with a glass of white wine or Crément d'Alsace the most distinctive uh, and probably one of the most popular castles in the whole of France uh, it was you, you saw it you know overlooking the, the the region the region at the start of the stage is the high Königsberg castle It was built between the 13th and the 20th century. It was actually abandoned uh, in the early 17th century. And um, it was offered by the city of Celesta to William II of Hohenzollern in, in 1899. Well, William II, uh, really, it was a kind of Middle Ages uh, fanatic. And uh, he, he restored the castle. Uh, he commissioned an architect named Bobo Erbhardt specialist in medieval fortifications and and the the the, the castle was restored in the, the purest medieval style it's a little bit like carcassonne it's so genuine that it's totally uh, fake uh, in many ways but it's it's also extremely spectacular uh well you know today become one of the, a major element of alsace's heritage and um well It's one of the most visited um, monuments in France. Uh, there's lots of uh, festival uh, celebrations there and uh, half a million visitors each year uh, for the high Königsberg uh, castle. Really in, in spectacular uh, medieval fortress up in the mountains. The race went through Le Markstein, uh, which was a finish today. Le Markstein, obviously it's in the middle of the mountains. Well, you know, you're there. Uh, it's, a, it's a ski resort. There are a few ski resorts in the, the Vosges. It's pretty nice to ski uh, Les Vosges if you're a skier. It's not as tough and uh, steep as the Alps or even the Pyrenees. Um, you know, nice atmosphere, more family uh, friendly. And um, and Le Markstein, well, Le Markstein is actually um, serious in terms of alpine skiing. It, it hosted two stages of the Ski World Cup in 1983 and 1987. And the winner uh, in these uh, World Cup uh, ra uh, ski races was uh, Ingemar Stenmark. Uh, maybe you're not into alpine skiing at all, but uh, Ingemar Stenmark is to uh, is to alpine skiing what Eddie Merckx is to cycling. So, I mean, big wins by the 
one of the biggest or maybe the biggest uh, skier of all time well the, the, in 2019 the, the, the race again went uh, through Le Marstein and uh, well, one of my favorite riders Belgian Tim Wellens was leading the way at the top um, if you're in Le Marstein um, you know in the mountains usually you've got this kind of stuffy very uh, <laughs> heavy uh, heavy dishes and uh, in the area what you can find is Beckerhofer Beckerhofer is a stew of potatoes and three meats marinated in Alsatian white wine and cooked in a terrine for 24 hours. It literally means bread oven. Well, the uh, Alsatian Lutheran Protestant denomination, Beckerhofer, respects the tradition of the Sabbath from the Old Testament of the Bible. Beckerhofer is, is a dish inspired by Hamin, which is a traditional dish of Jewish Sabbath cooking. So, if you have a chance, I mean, it's, it's probably a little bit too hot for Beckerhofer, but if you have a chance to try it, well, Rose, do talk to you tomorrow. Thank you once again to Francois Thomasot for giving a little uh, French flavour, Alsace uh, flavour, and, uh, well, a three-meat stew. Uh, Rook, is that taking your fancy on a hot day like this? No, especially I don't really eat meat. So <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that might be a, a problem to start with, mightn't it? Um, well, there was uh, obviously plenty to digest uh, in that particular meal, and there's plenty to digest uh, in this particular stage. Uh, what did we make of that group behind? Because I was really hoping that group that was uh, Juliette Laboo, Kasia Nevia Doma, and Cecilia Ludwig, I was hoping... Because we we, did, we didn't get all the big you know explosive attacks. Uh, we didn't get to watch them at least uh, because uh, Van Vleuten was so dominant. Uh, but I was hoping for a little bit more fireworks from them on that last climb. Yeah, no, I mean if 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 the you know the win is already lost, uh, you know give it a show I'd say. But um, yeah, I think it's just you know it just shows you how hard that climb was. There's also maybe a little bit of nerves. Mm. You know, we've got another big day tomorrow. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, tomorrow is is no no less uh, significant. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe they were just uh, trying to keep some things in the tank for tomorrow. You know, sometimes when there's so much to lose that riders don't risk gaining it. Uh, and that's what Longo Borghini did today. She risked it. She risked gaining everything. And she ended up losing out, but she took the risk on it. And... That's such a brave move. And, and, you know, the group behind, I really thought that Utrecht Ludwig would attack, you know, because she's behind. She's behind in the GC and, and Juliette Lebu as well. But Nivia Doma was basically, she was setting the highest pace on the front that she could in order to, to kind of hold on to that third place on general classification. And there were a few moments when she stretched her legs, Persico dropped her off the back, Persico came back. And then when they absorbed Longo Borghini, Longo and Persico went off the back. So, so you know, Cassia was just trying to do everything she could to kind of keep that gap as close as she could and actually she did a pretty good job because she's only one 119 behind Demi Vollering and, and after the day that Demi, Demi Vollering had today and you know how kind of mentally knocked you said she seemed to be um we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we obviously expect her to be climbing very well but she went seriously deep today she came over the finish line and she was making all sorts of faces she looked like she was cramping as she came across the line she was just you know 
in a heap on her bike so how will that affect her going into tomorrow we don't know and Nevia Doma's in a good position actually uh, Paulina Royakas came across the line for, for 10th place and so she was climbing pretty well but she was in a group that was caught behind so if she can get up the road tomorrow she could be a very valuable asset for Nevia Doma who I really hope that Nevia Doma will attack to try to take that second place rather than just settle for, for third. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting, won't it? I mean, when I caught up with uh, Kasia Nividoma and Cecilia Ludwig uh, at the finish, bearing in mind that Cecilia Ludwig actually finished third in the stage, and normally she's, you know, delighted with any, you know, good performance. It, it's kind of uh, all the happy theatrics uh, come out. Uh, she was kind of, I don't think it was just the fatigue. I mean, obviously, they're going to be going through a whole uh, a lot of fatigue, but she was kind of surprisingly uh, downbeat. So let's hear now. Uh, from Kasia Nividoma, who is now third on GC, uh, followed by Cecily Utrecht-Ludwig, who is now fourth on GC. I was super lucky to know the course, and I was keeping in mind, on spe- especially on the first climb, that I just have to ride smart because the race is so long. And especially after the second climb, the long descent and the valley, would be impossible to do on your own, as we could see with Longo Borghini. Um, so yeah, I was happy to have a little group that we could work together. And then on the last climb, I just gave my best because I knew that uh, the GC spot or the top three is available for me, especially the third place. So basically I wrote for that. I mean, anemic, I think, is out of the reach, to be honest. Although you never know what can happen. Bike racing is unpredictable. So, um, so yeah, who knows? But definitely we can tell that she showed today how amazing she is, how strong, such a strong climber. And perhaps she's going to fight for it tomorrow as well. She doesn't give up, especially that the race also, the stage suits her very well. Kasia, I know you've been working in the recent years about finding the right time to make the move. Do you think a few years ago you would have jumped when Vollering jumped and Van Vleuten jumped? Definitely, I would jump and then a couple of meters later I would explode. I feel like um, I am explosive rider, but on the short climbs, when I can recover straight afterwards, when it comes to climbing for 30 minutes plus, I've learned about my body that I just need to be consistent, otherwise I just cannot recover and I cannot do even like 80% of my abilities. How much confidence can you take from, you know, knowing your form, knowing your body, knowing when to make the right move today? You you said Longo Borghini, you know, she went off and then came back. Yeah, Um, I think it's just like the experience and how you train, knowing what you've done before coming to the tour, what kind of trainings and... Uh, when you were at your strongest and what was like making you feel like a piece of crap for example Uh, I think that's definitely very valuable to just like know what works with your body and what doesn't and at the beginning of the week if you were told you had you were in third going into the last stage would you have been happy with that definitely yes definitely I did uh, everything I could (laughs) I gave everything I had um so yeah, I'm a dead fish, and um, yeah, couldn't have done, couldn't have done anymore. Anemic and Demi were just too strong. So congrats to them. A podium in the end on the stage, I think. Um, 
we can be we can be proud you know it's a it's a bit behind but um yeah we we did our best i mean tomorrow is another mega mega hard stage so um yeah uh, we need good legs and then we see tomorrow well, Rook, uh, what can we make of the chances of uh, Cachinivia Doma and Cecilia Ludwig going into tomorrow? Whew, uh, I mean, they might be fighting it out for a second um, in, in a GC, I mean. Um, but I think that um, if they want any chance of, of, of beating Flan Fluten at this point, they have to get a significant distance. You know, so I don't think that's an even in their break. mind. I, I honestly mm. don't think that there's a single rider after today who's it's in their mind that they can beat Van Vluten. I think even Demi Vollering, she will be. Mm. Do yeah? Do they think? Do they think they can beat Vollering though? Maybe. Yeah. You think so, Rick? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Vollering seems more um, fallible. Still within within yeah mm. within in reach. I think uh, Anamik just seems to be on a, a planet of her own, but. Um, you know, they need to work together, if nothing else, um, which is interesting because they're from different teams. But um, if they want any chance, uh, um, yeah, they need to work to- together. And I talked to Ida Schlappendel earlier today, and she said the thing she would look forward to watching tomorrow is the battle for third place more than mm-hmm. anything. Because that's still uh, quite wide open, and, and uh, yeah, that'll be the real race tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, Lizzie, do you know Planche de Belfi? Have you have you ridden it yourself? I do not, and I have not ridden it, but I've watched it on the TV, and that is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's tiring enough, uh, isn't it? No, I, I think it's going to be really interesting, actually. I mean, I think I said this in the preview show, but, uh, you know, we watched the men go up there this year, and Louis Mankies was running up it, and the gravel section is so steep, and we, we put out less power, we're lighter, um, and so we're going to be going slower up there. And there were guys in the men's race who were slipping over. So I don't know what's going to happen in the women's race. You know, if you're absolutely completely exhausted and gone from a week of racing and you're finishing atop the Planche de Belfi, that's super Planche de Belfi. Um, I think we, I, I just don't know what, what we're going to see. I think there's going to be a lot of people who were caught out today who are going to be wanting to kind of make amends for that try and get up the road or try and get mm. ahead and probably will be able to because of their place on GC. Van Vluten hasn't got a strong team. She can't defend everything. Um, and I don't really think the parkour... Oh, I'm going to eat my words now. I don't really think the parkour will allow her to get miles ahead early on. Um, perhaps she'd have a chance to go on the Ballon d'Alsace, which is 84 kilometres into the 123-kilometre stage. But I think it's more likely that she will kind of just watch the favourites, stick to Demi's wheel... Um, and that will be her tactic of defence rather than attack. I have actually forgotten to mention uh, the other rider that was in that trio uh, behind Vollering and Van Vleuten, and that was uh, Juliette Leboe, mm. who I was actually really uh, impressed mm. with her performance. Um, we know that they kind of had a sprinty team. We've been speaking about them a lot, and Lorena Weebus uh, abandoned uh, during today's uh, stage. But Juliette Labou, uh, an incredible performance from her, especially without the team support, particularly. Yeah, I mean, she was always, uh, I think, on the on the list of favourites for for the hilly stages. And I mean, how beautiful would it be if we got a French winner mm. at the Tour de France? I mean, yes. that would just be a fairy tale, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But they were not going to let her go now, are they? Now they know that what, what they can do, there's no way, you know, if there was going to be a big breakaway tomorrow, no, they're, uh, I don't they're think not, they're not going to let her go. Oh, and it, it, was, um, it was a good performance. And it was quite surprising because she won the Queen stage at the Giro. But she, 
her general classification place wasn't that great and so she's often had kind of a bad day and so far she's she's kept up there so she has had a really impressive tour and she's currently in fourth place on GC and she's only a you know she's less than a minute behind Nevia Doma so there is definitely there's definitely some possibility there I would say Nevia Doma is probably the better climber but um, and also with the stronger team <laughs> but you never know yeah. you never know <laughs> Well, let's hear from Albert Timmer, um, who I think was a little bit uh, surprised himself about how great Juliet uh, Labou was today. Uh, we'll hear from him now. Uh, Albert, I just wanted uh, for you to tell us a bit about how well uh, Juliet Labou did. Uh, did she kind of surprise you? I know you know that she's a great climber, but I mean, her performance out there today was amazing. Um, it, was, it was amazing, but surprised? Yeah, we knew that she could do something like this, but yeah. In the end, uh, she showed it also today, so that's actually a nice thing. And what was the tactic uh, at the beginning of the day? I mean, knowing that you're going up against someone like Van Vluten, uh, you know, how do you try and overcome that? Um, so we left the whole Van Vluten part a bit out in this case. We just focus on what we think should be the best for us. And we knew already, uh, probably from the first climb, it will be hard. And the, the whole idea that we that we had, if we want to do something to make up space in the GC, so I don't talk about dropping from Vleuten, but make space up of uh, places up, it should be on the last one, especially with the valley and with uh, the two climbs before. It, in this case, it also turned out to be a little bit like that. We were in a nice group at Juliet. We, uh, we all said, okay, we stay here. We don't do anything, do the turns in the valley. And uh, Longo Bogini came back, of course. And, uh, and from that moment on, she, she put a pace and we, we dropped people. And actually, we did everything according to Penya. Yeah, the two that were stayed in the front, yeah, they were just by far the strongest. Nothing that we can do about that. But for ourselves, we are actually really happy how, uh, how the day went. And Francisca Koch, I believe that she was outside the time limit by a few seconds. Is she still allowed to, to continue anyway? Have they changed the rules for that? Uh, it would be a first time that the UCI will change rules, well, to be honest. But yeah, five, sec five seconds out of time limit, it's, it's really a shame. Yeah, we, I, I will give it maybe a shot to see if we can keep her in, but normally the rules are the rules when it comes to time limits. And uh, yeah, we have to see. But for now, she's, uh, as far as I know, out. Did, she, did you have the feeling that, did you know that she was going to be outside the time limit? Or, I mean, it was so close. It, it was really close, yeah. We know the time gaps and and it's a little bit different, uh, difficult because we have only one car on race to really reach her. So that's the only thing that we could not do. Um, yeah. In the end, it's for her. It's really, yeah, it's not nice. Really not nice. She she worked really hard for it the last past past days. As for the team, she did everything. Yeah, and today, yeah, it's just yeah five seconds. Yeah, cannot really change it. Well, I mentioned there to Albert Timmer about Francisca Koch, um, who was in the uh, outside the time limit by seconds. She was in a group of three, and they all missed the time cut by just a few seconds, which is just one of those. Um, you know, horribly disappointing things, but not a surprise, um, bearing in mind how quickly uh, Van Vleuten, um went up the last climb today. Well, uh, I think it's, it's time that we're going to have to go because we, as we're literally sitting here watching the sunset, very nice, but the, uh, the waiting staff have literally just <laughs> taken our parasol away uh, while we were sitting 
at the table. So, um, well, Rook, we hope that we're going to catch up with you tomorrow. I know that you've got a, a plane to catch very quickly uh, after the end of the stage. So, But I'm hoping that we'll hear your voice tomorrow at some point anyway. I'll be around, yeah. Yes, I hope so. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, Lizzie, thank you for joining us too. Thank you both. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Rook. Well, were you uh, were you jealous, Lizzie, of the the stage today? Did you wish you were out there? I actually was. I mean, I think I've, you know, I guess jealousy is the wrong word because I'm so thrilled that this tour has been so successful, but it's definitely a tinge of sadness not being there. I mean, I'm also thrilled to be able to be part of part of the coverage with the the cycling podcast, but um, it's been. You always worry that when something is so hyped up that in the end it will be a flop and it has been anything but I think everybody has has lived up to the expectations, the riders, ASO, the fans have more than exceeded what we thought, the the appetite for it on social media and um, although I couldn't be there and I'm sad about that, I'm thrilled that it's been such a brilliant success. That's very yeah. true. I mean, it really has been just being out here. And I think just one thing I'd, I'd like to add is just how many women journalists mm. that were here. I've been covering women's cycling for 11 years and I've never seen this many women uh, providing the coverage. So that's been been really cool to see. Yeah, that's been a, yeah, that's a bit of great feeling, hasn't it? I mean, across the board, Velo News, uh, Cycling News, Cycling Tips, um, us, uh, Cycling Weekly, sorry, Rook, which is your... <laughs> It's your publication. Uh, but yeah, that's been a really uh, special behind the scenes thing. And uh, maybe I'll try and catch up with a few of those uh, women uh, tomorrow on La Planche de Belfie. Uh, but uh, yes, we must uh, go because now it is actually literally getting quite cold. I'm going to leave you with another Tour de Buffalo tonight. And uh, this one, I'm going to put in a little warning because uh, <laughs> this one happened. This was recorded on the uh, Cycling Podcast Feminine when I was on maternity leave. And I was only maternity leave from the podcast for about one month, two months, I think, or one month, maybe. Uh, but it really descended in my absence. So um, I apologize. People who aren't a, f- a fan of toilet humor uh, switch off right now. The Tour du Buffalo, remembering Richard Moore. Well, it's been a great pleasure. It's been fun uh, spending this evening with you, Lizzie and Orla. So thank you very much. Thank you both. Both of you. This this <laughs> this, you this makeshift lineup has, has worked well. We wish Rose all the best, of course. And yeah. Orla, uh, look, looking forward to watching some track racing this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be condensed, intense. It's just two hours or two and a half hours. It's two sprint races, two endurance races, best riders in the world going for a pot of half a million <gasps> euros over aha uh-huh, bet you were a track rider now <laughs> over five we- oh, over five weekends. over ten years <laughs> run a whole women's team for a no, year we're doing we're exactly really genuinely wow. exciting it's going to be brilliant that actually sounds brilliant I'm thinking of um, yeah <laughs> I'm just saying defecating to the what? track. Tuning in or converting no, to track? I'm defecating to the track, but I mean... Um... <laughs> defecting. Defecting. I mean, that would be a, li- that would be a little bit bitter. Oh. <laughs> what? Why is there a delay to the start of our inaugural, inaugural track Champions League? Well, something to clean off the track. Oh, dear. The jealous road rider has broken in. Oh, my goodness. Trying to spoil our fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
dear. Right, well, on that this bum what you note. Do, this is what happens when you do a late night recording. I think we're going to have to <laughs> call it a night. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed, and Lionel Burney. <laughs>